Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Have you ever wondered about some of the benefits that you might get from types of medical treatments that are not necessarily the conventional treatment that your doctor may be used to? Well, here in Hawaii, we have a wonderful opportunity to combine the best of Western and Eastern medicine, and we have some fantastic practitioners that know more about how to work with these different systems together than anywhere else that I've ever been practicing medicine in the United States. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about today is how that combination can lead to optimal health. As these days, you know, medicine is much more about keeping people healthy than waiting until they have disease and trying to treat it at that point. So today we're going to talk with a new book author, Catherine Caruso, who has written a book, True Wellness, How to Combine the Best of Eastern and Western Medicine for Optimal Health with an Easy-to-Follow Plan to Improve Your Health. Catherine, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you. Now, you've trained in the usual conventional medical school format. Tell me about your training and what made you also pursue acupuncture. Well, I um, went to medical school in Canada at the University of Toronto. I graduated in 1990, and I did a residency in obstetrics and gynecology. Uh, I practiced obstetrics and gynecology for well over 10 years uh, before I came across uh, an article about how to turn breech babies using Chinese medicine. And um, breech uh, babies are babies that are uh, coming uh, feet first or bottom first, which is not the ideal way to be born. There are risks associated with that. So one of the jobs of an obstetrician is to manually turn the baby before a woman goes into labor, and that's called an external cephalic version. And there are risks associated with that, um, and the success rate uh, is variable depending upon a lot of factors. So when I read this well-designed randomized control trial, I thought this would be an opportunity to find an acupuncturist who would take my patients uh, uh, who might be willing to try it. Not a lot of women were interested in having the manual uh, version of the baby performed. And so if that wasn't done and the baby didn't turn, they would uh, have to have a cesarean section for delivery if they didn't want to risk a vaginal delivery. So I found uh, an acupuncturist in my area who would collaborate with me, and um, according to the article, uh, the success rate was about 60%, and, and hers was too. So I became quite fascinated with how all this you know, would work. So you went from learning like a normal technique of delivering babies to learning that there's a potential complicated risk with a breach presentation when the baby's sort of coming out upside down or the mm-hmm. wrong way. Correct. Because technically they should come out upside down. And so then you found another modality of medicine that had a pretty high success rate. I think that's how a lot of people find their way to what is considered, I guess it's still considered complementary or alternative medicine, which is not necessarily, you know, I've been, I've been told before, don't call what we learned in medical school traditional, because that's mm-hmm. only been around for about 100 years. Mm-hmm. And some of these medical traditions have been around for much longer than that. So True. as you looked at some of these different mechanisms of trying to deal with breach. You learned, hey, there could be a manual way, there could be a cesarean section, but there's something new and exciting and interesting. I want to pursue that. Mm -hmm. So you started out with an interest in that, but you've kind of gone a little bit further than that. True. 
So what made you pursue it even further? Well, um, after uh, several of my patients had uh, had successful uh, uh, experiences with turning the breech, um, with this particular acupuncturist, I decided to uh, center some difficult uh, patients, or not, they weren't difficult, but their conditions were, uh, where they were not responding well to conventional therapies or surgery. Um, and very quickly, they improved under her care. And uh, she combined acupuncture with herbs. And of course, I became more intrigued. And um, she uh, basically supervised me giving her a treatment. Um, she showed me where some acupuncture points were. Uh, and she um, allowed me to uh, to put in some needles just to see what it would be like. And um, she said uh, that she thought I had a nice touch and that I should pursue it. And so I ended up um, taking a course for uh, doctors to become medical acupuncturists um, in the United States and uh, then started to um, be able to incorporate um, acupuncture into my gynecologic and obstetrical care without having to send a patient out to an outside acupuncturist. So uh, at that point, I was starting to treat people um, for um, various uh, gynecologic and obstetrical concerns, uh, including uh, childbirth preparation and labor induction, and uh, had uh, very um, uh, successful results. So some people may not realize that OBGYNs are surgeons. I mean, they have Mm -hmm. to be able to do cesarean sections. Mm -hmm. They have to be able to do hysterectomies and do all different sorts of surgical procedures. So it's not that far removed for you to use those same surgical hands and skills that you have in another venue. So you mentioned that you went to a medical training for actually a acupuncture training for medical doctors, Mm -hmm. because presumably you may have some expertise handling needles and or other types of instrumentation, and they show you a little bit more about how this system works. Mm -hmm. Knowing what you know about conventional medical training and what you know about acupuncture training, what do you think is the biggest difference? I think... The, I mean, the focus yeah. is wellness in both. True. So the goal is to keep people well. well so both yes. have the same basis for which they're they're utilizing mm-hmm. different modalities. When when often, you know, a lot of folks, when they hear about acupuncture, they hear about meridians mm-hmm. and they hear about chi and they go, if I can't see it, it isn't there. But if we were to substitute things like nerves and mm-hmm. different sorts of nerve distributions, yeah. people would be like, I get that. Yeah. Or, neurotransmitters or you hear these words a lot and people go oh okay i understand it yeah there's something different about acupuncture and when you started to learn how to use those needles and to find those areas Mm -hmm. how would you describe it for someone who is in the conventional medical world Mm -hmm. in a way that might help them to get it to understand it better well in um conventional medicine uh as well as uh eastern medicine um, conditions have uh, certain symptoms that that go along with the condition. So when you go to a doctor and you describe certain things, they could say, aha, you have appendicitis. Um, so in Eastern medicine, there are same, these same sort of classic symptoms that when people start to talk, you know, tell their story about the things that are troubling them, and we start to ask some more pointed questions and, you know, rule out, rule in the way you would do in uh, 
uh, Western medicine, you come up with um, classic patterns that are seen over and over and over again. So it's just a different way of looking at the uh, symptom complex uh, to arrive at a correct diagnosis. And um, a lot of these conditions are those which do not have any abnormal lab values associated with them. So we've all, as physicians, had patients who come to us and they don't feel well. And However, you run uh, different blood panels on them or send them for an ultrasound, and on paper they look perfectly healthy. There is, quote-unquote, nothing wrong. But the patient will tell you that there really is something wrong. And so um, the I found the beauty of uh, Eastern medicine is by um, paying attention to the patient's uh, symptoms, um, uh, coming to the correct diagnosis based on uh, these symptoms, and then selecting uh, points to needle with, um, then you are able to uh, correct the imbalance in the body uh, before it manifests as an abnormal lab test, an abnormal ultrasound. So in some cases, it may be preemptive. Exactly. And I think you've hit on something that a lot of people hear and don't like to hear, which is, well, I know you don't feel well, but your blood tests are normal, your x-rays or your ultrasound is normal, there's nothing wrong with you. And they go, but I don't feel good. So mm-hmm. I really think you've, you've touched a nerve, literally, for a lot of folks who may mm-hmm. have heard that when they go in to see their doctor. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. I'm here with Dr. Catherine, Catherine Caruso. I almost called you my name. <laughs> and we're here on The Body Show talking a little bit about what is this co- way to combine Eastern and Western medicine? When we come back, we're going to talk some more about what are some of the things that people can take as an action plan themselves and how are some of the ways that acupuncture helps folks in a very good in addition to what they may do from other standard treatments from their doctor, physical therapy, stretching, massage. There's a lot of different ways that we can do a hands-on approach that are a lot safer than some of the other medications that we prescribe out there. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about it. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Ulupono Initiative, and Impact Hub Honolulu Co-working. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Catherine Caruso, and she is an OBGYN by training and now has become a licensed acupuncturist as well. And before the break, we were talking about how acupuncture has similar different presentations. Someone might come to me saying, I have pain. It's in my right lower quadrant. It's there all the time, and it makes me nauseous, and I don't want to eat, and I may say you have appendicitis. And so that's a clear diagnosis. But what about if you see your doctor and you're told, I have discomfort, and it's bloating, and it's certain foods, and they run every test we've got, and they don't find an answer? That's really where you may find some benefit in looking at some of these other modalities of medical practice that might help you in that time when maybe it hasn't gotten bad enough to manifest as a serious illness. Now, one of the areas where I think acupuncture has been proven again and again to be particularly helpful is in musculoskeletal disorders. There's a lot going on these days about the opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have been getting pain medication that was with all the best intentions prescribed for low back pain, chronic neck pain, et cetera. And we're finding that that really doesn't help them in the long term. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Acupuncture is particularly designed to help people with certain sorts of muscle and joint injuries or pain or discomfort. If, if someone were to come to you with low back pain, chronic, they're worse when they do certain activities, worse when they're moving in certain directions, and they've gotten what I would give them, anti-inflammatory medication, maybe a course of physical therapy, and they're still having discomfort. Mm-hmm. How might an acupuncture treatment help them? And how is that approach going to be complementing some of the other things they might do? Well, um, one of the things acupuncture has been shown to do from a Western point of view is decrease inflammation, like total body inflammation. So it's not just in the area that you're inserting the needle, but throughout the whole body. And so we can use acupuncture not only for uh, acute low back pain or shoulder injuries, but for um, any inflammatory process like uh, connective tissue diseases, autoimmune diseases, uh, so, um, uh, someone who is coming to me for the diagnosis of, um, low back pain, uh, I would take their history, do a physical exam the same way I would any, any other, uh, any other Western medical visit. Um, I prefer patients to have, uh, at least consulted with their own doctors, uh, who would then order any imaging that would be necessary, um, but I, I do a, a review of systems uh, to make sure that these sorts of things are caught. You know, uh, some people uh, sort of try to bypass that um, and uh, just come straight to the acupuncturist. But I think uh, a good knowledge of Western anatomy and physiology is necessary to um, uh, catch, uh, you know, some more serious uh, injuries. Um, one thing that uh, I, I have been taught to do... Um, uh, that combines a Western and Eastern approach with musculoskeletal concerns is uh, searching for trigger points, which are balls of muscle, uh, like spasms in the muscle that are not necessarily alleviated with um, uh, anti-inflammatories or physical therapy. Sometimes people go for chiropractic treatment and they're fine uh, initially, but the adjustment never sticks. Um, so often it's a, a trigger point that is at issue. And so uh, at the end of a, an acupuncture treatment, um, I will kind of search for these areas and then insert another acupuncture needle and get that muscle to release. And that is a very effective approach uh, to uh, musculoskeletal pain. Now, when we think about physical therapy, for example, you don't just get one therapy session and you're cured. The idea is that you learn some exercises that you can do at home, you work on proper body mechanics. So it really is like a teaching opportunity Mm -hmm. from someone who has that knowledge that you can go home and do on your own. But acupuncture, it's, we don't want people to go do that on their own at home. No. So is this a, in, in a lot of cases that you've seen, does this become a chronic treatment modality? Or can it be done in like an acute setting where somebody has a particular problem, they work on it, they fix it, and then they go on and go about their activities? Uh, that That is usually what happens. Um, people don't, uh, some, I have some patients who do come very regularly for very serious chronic illnesses or who come uh, during the course of chemotherapy for cancer treatment. But uh, generally speaking, um, people come for a short period of time and then they the problem is resolved. I may not ever see them again. Um, 
But uh, one thing I've found acupuncture is particularly useful for is that uh, people generally immediately feel better. And so it um, gives them um, uh, renewed energy to uh, use their resources uh, in their best interest. So it encourages them to, well, maybe I should really do my physical therapy exercises. Maybe I should sign up for that Tai Chi or yoga class. Maybe I should eat more vegetables. It's, it seems to have a very positive influence on the way people care for themselves. Well, and that being said, let's talk about some of the concepts. Now, you've written this book with a co-author, and it's called True Wellness. You're going to be doing a book signing, I think, this weekend Yes, at Kailua, my favorite part of the island, mm-hmm. which I don't live in, but I think I'm meant to at some point. So you're going to be there Saturday. Is it the 17th? From about 1 to 2, noon, noon to about 1 or noon so. Noon to 1 or so. At uh, bookends. Correct. Okay. Yes. That sounds like a fabulous thing to do. Oh, it's a great bookstore. And yeah. it is. It's one of the, yeah. you know, I really want everyone to support independent bookstores. I'm saddened mm-hmm. by the loss of all the bookstores that we've missed. And you never know what you're going to find when you browse. Mm-hmm. You True. know, that's that's the best part of it. So one of the things that you have really highlighted in this book is ways that people can take charge of their health. You know, I think a lot of times... If somebody gets a serious illness, there is definitely a sense of loss of control. The medical system has this whole way that they take care of you and get things started and do all these treatments, and you might just be a bystander following along. But there are ways that you can really take charge of that and try and find ways to improve your optimal health, Something, some steps we can do a little bit every single day. Mm-hmm. What are those steps, and and how, how can I get started? Well, um, I'm sure you've found over the years, as I have uh, as a uh, conventional physician, that uh, all the patients know what they're supposed to do um, in terms of taking care of themselves. It's just the matter of getting them to do it. And so um, these uh, changes need to be done sort of in an incremental basis. Uh, Hardly anybody uh, sticks with really extreme changes all at once. So like don't give up all your chocolate in life. No, all at once actually, because that's not going to work for me. No, and and actually, uh, anything greater than seventy percent cacao is actually very, uh, very healthful. But that doesn't taste so good, Catherine. <laughs> all right, so okay, don't make big changes all at once. Yes. So, what are some of the things like when you counsel people to tell them, "Hey, we want you to focus on mm-hmm. more optimal health for yourself." Mm-hmm. How much of a change should you, do you generally recommend? Ten or fifteen percent. Work on something for a little while try to do one step at a time, what would be some of those things you might counsel someone about? Well, uh, I'm fortunate I can spend a lot of time with the patient, so I try and find out what is stopping them from making these changes in the first place. And sometimes it's a logistical thing, and so we try and figure out uh, how, um, how, how they can more easily incorporate uh, healthful changes into their life. Uh, one very important thing is sleep. Um, I, uh, part of uh, oriental medicine is discussing a great deal about how well and how much how pe- well people sleep and how often they uh, get to bed on time, how often they wake up at night, and try to optimize their sleep. Uh, um, and that is probably one of the most important things. Um, getting people to exercise uh, more. Uh, and uh, a lot of people have the impression that it, they need to spend an hour and a half at the gym or it's not worth it at all. Um, we know from exercise physiology studies that uh, it can be a cumulative effect. If you walk around the block three times in a day, that is, you know, 
that adds up. So get just getting people to start where they are with you know, trying not to uh, push them so that they injure themselves. The other thing that we find very um, useful is teaching them very simple meditation uh, techniques that they can use to calm their mind before they sleep uh, and uh, center them, their emotions and their um, their body during the day. And again, it doesn't have to be sitting down for 20 minutes uh, in lotus position to be effective. Um, really, just a, a few um, moments it really does reset the central nervous system and balances the fight and flight response of our very stressful environment with a very calming uh, parasympathetic nervous system response. Tips on things we can do every day. We're going to talk a little bit more about practical things that I can do for myself starting tomorrow or maybe tonight. I don't know. We'll see. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm here with Dr. Catherine Caruso. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a little action plan and we'll sort of send out a little challenge to folks, see if that's something that they might want to consider doing for their own health to optimize their own true wellness. We'll be right back. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Wealth Jar and Locations. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Catherine Caruso. She's the author of True Wellness, How to Combine the Best of Eastern and Western Medicine for Optimal Health. Now, before the break, we were talking a little bit about the adjunctive assistance of doing things like acupuncture to get yourself to the point where maybe you do feel better enough that you can do your physical therapy and do your other activities. And we also talked a little bit about small incremental changes. Doing a little walk around the block a few times a day can actually really add up over the course of a week. When we think about things you can do right now, I often, you know, I think sleep is one of those miss, uh, just, just missed opportunities for folks to really help their body to get into a state of healing. Mm-hmm. Everybody is so busy these days. There's so much that they want to accomplish and they have constant connection to cell phones or to other sorts of communication devices, social media, email, phone calls, you name it. When you talk about trying to optimize sleep, how is it that we've gotten so far from the concept of actual rest? And is there anything that people can do, even using, you mentioned meditation, even in an acupuncture way, or just with their own sort of physical wellness and overall sense of positivity? Is there anything that people can do sort of as like week one, I'm going to try and do this and week two, how can we, how can Mm -hmm. we really take a look at this and find actionable items that'll help us in our lives? Sure. Well, week one, uh, as you mentioned, the number one uh, thing that I would recommend is uh, turning off all the electronics, all the screens, uh, the TV, the cell phones, an hour to two hours before you plan to lie down. So one of the reasons that that interferes with um, keeping those on, interferes with your sleep, is the blue light that's emitted from these uh, devices tells the deep part of your brain that it's morning. So you're sending the wrong signals to your brain for a start. So um, you uh, you can make uh, like a 90-minute rule and just and really try and stick with it, and you'll find it easier to fall asleep. The next thing I would institute is um, a breathing technique 
Um, I've been very fortunate to practice with uh, Mike Zanoni, who um, has, is a meditation and Qigong teacher as well as a teacher of oriental medicine. And uh, he uh, taught me this very simple uh, technique of counting uh, the seconds or uh, that it takes to inhale and then exhaling for twice that number. So if you inhale for two counts, you exhale for four. If you inhale for three counts, you exhale for six. Uh, it is a, it, it's not to make your breath uh, uncomfortable and stretch it to the count. It's just count in your head how long it takes you to make a natural inhalation and then exhale for twice as long. And what that does is it increases the tone of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the one that calms your body. Now, I think they've done some studies about that and actually showed that that can reduce your blood pressure too. Yes, that's true. They've done actually really good randomized double-blinded trials. And I know that there was a device out a few years ago, Respirate, I think it was. And they were looking at this Mm -hmm. deep breathing technique as a way to release tension in the arteries and try and find ways to even treat stage one hypertension without medication, Mm -hmm. particularly for populations for which medicine would be problematic, like you mentioned, you know, in your field, pregnant women Mm -hmm. and or people who are on multiple medicines already. So Mm -hmm. It was actually seen, the deep breathing idea was seen to be particularly helpful for certain groups of folks. And I think, you know, there's there's no harm in deep breathing. It's certainly a lot safer than a lot of the medications out there. Mm-hmm. So so you're going to eliminate the screens. You're going to do a deep breathing. What else am I going to do to help maximize my sleep? Um, you uh, Your bedroom should be cool, if possible, not too hot. It's hard. That might be hard in Hawaii. But... Um, uh, and it needs to be a safe place, uh, physically, emotionally, and um, your bed needs to be comfortable. And uh, uh, sometimes people who have a shower before they go to bed, the drop in the temp- their body temperature after they get out of the shower signals to their body that it's time to go, go to sleep. So um, then once you're in bed and you've done your breathing, if you're not asleep in 15 minutes, get up. Uh, don't lie there. Don't look at the clock. Just get up. Do don't turn on any devices. But uh, what ju- am I going to do then? You, you can read a, a real book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I can read True Wellness. You can, I can read, read True read your, Wellness. Yeah. I can read your book. You, okay. You could you could uh, meditate. You could uh, do something relaxing, um, or you could do something that. Uh, if it, as long as it doesn't involve any kind of electronic device, something maybe that be weighing on your mind, like you didn't Write send it down a thank you note, right. or yeah. Um, and then when you're starting to feel sleepy, whenever that is, then go back to bed, try again, and in 15 minutes, if you're not asleep, get up again. It might be a little rough if in you're the beginning, sure. Yeah, and then wake up at the same time every morning. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, but that's important to establish that routine. But then you can't sleep in on the weekends. Not very much. Not until you're not not if you're a person who has insomnia, you, you can't indulge in that sort of behavior until you have regulated your sleep. Well, so far you've kicked my chocolate to seventy percent cacao or higher, which is not milk chocolate, and you've told me I can't sleep in on weekends. Yeah, this has been really educational. <laughs> uh, I have a whole list of things I've got to do now. And the whole screen thing, you know, that's another thing 
I'm just such a guilty queen. I know that I do those things way too often and way too much. So some simple things we could do, you know, that's that's great advice for all of us. And if people want to take advantage of using other types of complementary modalities for medicine, always a good idea to consider your options. I think mm-hmm. given what goes on these days, even in, you know, conventional medical practice, we are often reliant on medications, which in a lot of cases are life-saving and good. And I would never suggest that people just suddenly jettison off all of their medicines and decide to take a different approach without guidance from their provider Mm -hmm. and their doctor to make sure that they were doing the right thing for them. But consider these other options. And if people want to hear more, you will be in Kailua and you will be at bookends this Saturday from noon to about one or two, signing books, your book, True Wellness and giving people some advice and you can check up on me and see if I've given up on my chocolate or gotten <laughs> up at the same time every every weekend. Uh, I can't guarantee that one. All right. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. And thank you to Dr. Catherine Caruso for being on today. We'll see you next week right here on The Body Show. Woo!